0: Anybody glad that you're in God's house tonight? Man, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm going to jump right in to the message tonight. Uh, normally, we would take a few minutes here and welcome you, so here's your welcome. I am very thankful that you are here tonight. Uh, if you are here for the first time, Bethesda, would you show them some love? Come on, do that. We're, we're honored you're here. Um. I'm going to be talking to you tonight about the anointing, and on your way in, did everybody grab uh, a bottle of oil, did everybody get this, come on, I need this or not this, y'all didn't get it, oh, I'm hearing a lot of no's, I don't think they got them out, so I need my team to run, get bottles of oil, go ahead, fast as you can, uh, and I'll stall, how's that, does that work? I've just learned to, to flow with it in moments like this. Um, the reason that we um, want you to have the bottle of oil is because I'm going to be talking to you about the anointing tonight. Uh, and it's very, very important that you don't um, just hear the message uh, and then do nothing with it. If you didn't get a bottle, you might want to raise your hand real high right now. That would probably help them identify you, uh, and they will make sure that you get one. I love it. People, I can hear the bottles jingling. <laughs> awesome. Now, I don't want you to drink that. All right? Some of you are like, I need my digestive system anointed. Right? So I'm just going to drink the oil. Don't drink it. Uh, But I do want you to get that because I believe that tonight, God is going to activate many of you to understand a couple of things. Um, Number one, that you are anointed. Uh, As a believer, you have been anointed. Um, The scripture tells us, this is not on the screen, but the scripture tells us in 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you and tell them you're anointed. Okay, you're anointed. Now now I want you to look back at them and tell them, start acting like it. All right, you are anointed, but you got to start acting like you're anointed. Um, One of the things that um, a lot of people miss with the anointing, they think that the anointing is for the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, The people that are in fivefold ministry, that they are anointed to do what they do. And you are right. They're anointed. I'm anointed to do what I do. You wouldn't want to do this job without an anointing. Can I get an amen? And so it's important to be anointed. Uh, But the scripture talks about the anointing in the fact that even in the New Testament, in um, the book of Acts, that they would anoint cloths. And the Bible says very clearly that, And this is Acts 19, if you want to jot it down, that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Now, who did the miracles? Yeah, not a trick question. God did the miracles. But he used whose hands? Right? Ours, Paul's. All right, so they anointed handkerchiefs and aprons, and they literally, they were brought from his body, and, and the anointing, what a lot of people don't understand about the anointing is that it is tangible. The anointing is not only tangible, the anointing is transferable. It's why the Bible says, if there is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and what? Anoint them with oil and they will be healed. Okay? Okay. Everybody following so far. Now, a lot of times I take this stuff for granted, but um, I I, I can't do that anymore because there's a lot of people that don't understand spiritual things, and it's not because they don't want to. They've just not been taught. Um, But I had a dream. I'm going to start with a dream tonight, and I'm going to finish with a vision. Is that okay? Um, I had a dream about, I don't know, was it three or four weeks ago? I called you one morning and, and shared this dream with Pastor Karen, and um, I'm, I'm not one that has a lot of dreams, It's you know, um, and I definitely, I've only had one other vision in my entire life, and I had my second one last Thursday night in the prayer group, uh, and, and so I, the dream that I had in this dream, um, my family, me and PK, Eli, Zeke, and Everly were staying at my parents' house in the dream, uh, which we do that maybe once a year for a birthday party or for a holiday. We'll go down and spend a night or two. Uh, but in the dream, we were all asleep in the house. And this is the house that I grew up in. I got all kinds of childhood memories, so I, I could see it vividly in my dream. Uh, but we were all asleep, and in the dream, I, I awoke from my sleep. Everybody else was still asleep. Uh, and when I came out of one of the downstairs downstairs bedrooms, my family was taking the two downstairs bedrooms, and my mom and dad were sleeping in the one upstairs bedroom, and I came through um, the dining room area in the kitchen, and I walked into um, the living room area, and our living room at my parents' house has a front door. You can come in that way, but there is also a back door that you can slip out that way and go to. Uh, there's a seating area outside and an in-ground pool out back. Um, And so I woke from the sleep, and in in my dream I woke up, and I saw that the back door in my dream was open. And I can remember in the dream, have you ever had a dream and it feels so real, you're panicked, you're like panicked? Uh, And in the dream there was a sense of panic that we had all been sleeping the entire night while the door had been left open, wide open, the entire night. And I can remember thinking in the dream as I I woke everybody up in my dream saying the door has been open all night long and the panic and the fear was from what got inside while we were sleeping and I awoke from my dream and This dream uh, stuck with me, and I called Karen and told her the dream, and she said, you should call your parents, make sure everything's good, and and I felt like everything was good. I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to really get something from this dream. I called my mom. She said, they're great. You know, I didn't really bring the dream up and say, hey, I had this dream, and y'all need to watch out. I didn't do that, Um, but they were fine. Everything was good, but I believe that the Holy Spirit gave me a little bit of revelation about the dream because over the last two years something profound has happened in the body of Christ. I think that the enemy has lured many people to sleep, and we have left certain doors of our spiritual lives open that need to be closed. The truth is, is that since COVID began, and as I talk to other pastors, other leaders, other churches, since COVID started more than two years ago, what you've got to understand is that there has been spiritually a deep purging that has taken place in the body of Christ, a purging. Um, and this purging, though many have fallen from their faith and many have, uh, that, that have not had a heart to seek God have stopped church altogether. All of those things are true. But there has been a, a moving of the Holy Spirit to purge his body so that we can accomplish more. How many of Jesus taught that if you're not fruitful, I'll cut you. But he also says if you are fruitful, I'll cut you. Why? Because he wants us to produce more fruit. And so over the last two years, I believe that a lot of people, they have stopped attending church. And I'm going to say some things right here. Even people that were major players in local churches in leadership have been removed over the last two years. And that's not a Bethesda thing. That is a body of Christ thing. That God has been moving some pieces around. And even even a lot of people that have left in this season have, have spoken negatively about the local church. And they've said harsh things about the local church. But I want everybody to know that the body of Christ today and Bethesda Church today is not weaker than we were two years ago. We're actually more unified and more powerful than we've ever been. You need to hear me tonight. Some of what has happened has been the working of the Holy Spirit to purge out people that had their their own agenda and were not in alignment with the anointing that was on the house. And this is happening in bodies of Christ all over this nation. And so the last couple of years have, have been painful at some level, But at the same time, I understand that we are more united and powerful than ever before. And so I want you to say the word anointing. Everybody say anointing. This is going to be so good tonight. The supernatural, the anointing is the supernatural dimension that is in an eternal realm. It's invisible, but it's permanent. It's invisible, but it's unchanging. It is where all things exist and where all things are complete. It is the perennial now that can be accessed only by faith. If we want to know and move in the supernatural, we have to have revelation of three dimensions. And the three dimensions are faith. Everybody say faith. It's faith and then it's anointing. Everybody say anointing. And the third dimension that we don't talk a whole lot about in church, but we're going to talk about it here at Bethesda, is the dimension of God's glory. Everybody say glory. Now, I want to start with faith for just a moment, and then I'm going to get to the anointing, okay? Hebrews 11, verse 1, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word faith right here is translated from the Hebrew word uh, that means firmness, steadfastness, and fidelity. As you can see, each of the names or meanings describes an aspect of God's nature. And faith has nothing to do with presumption. Faith has nothing to do with optimism. The factor that, that assures us that God will act is that God cannot lie and he will never fail to keep his word. If God said it, you can rest assured that God is going to do it. That's what faith is. Faith is the mind of God, the the mind of the Holy Spirit that He gives to us so that we will act on what God has already said in His Word to move beyond the natural so that we can step into the supernatural. And one of the things that's about to happen in the body of Christ is we're going to step out of the natural and we're going to step into the supernatural and we're going to begin to see a moving of the Holy Spirit manifest in the kingdom like we've never seen before. It's going to happen. Faith is now. Faith is not past tense. Faith is not in the future. When is faith due? Faith is due now. Faith is the past and the future together in the present. When Moses said, "Who are you to God?" What did God say in Exodus chapter three, verse fourteen, And God said to Moses, "I am who I am. Faith is in the now. So many of us were missing out on what faith can produce in our lives because we speak in, in terms of faith as if it's the future, that somewhere down the line God is going to move." But God does not need time to move. God dwells in the now. He does not need the day or the night to get done what he said he's going to do. From God's standpoint, his future can invade your present. One reason we don't see the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and when I, when I say that, that's a mouthful, but healings, signs, wonders, miracles, is because we all talk about God moving in the future. We, 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 we're always talking about future tense stuff. We we say things like God is going to bring revival and, and, and God will perform great miracles and, and God will visit us with his glory and we use language for the future but my Bible says now faith. Faith is now. We can believe that God is bringing revival now. God is healing now. God is performing miracles now. God is about to shift things now. Our region is about to change now. Not somewhere down the road road but God wants to do it now somebody say now this is important faith faith is not down the road faith is now I think you guys are ready for this tonight faith compresses time and everything scripture says everything works according to your faith Even prophecy, Paul said, if you're going to prophesy, prophesy according to your faith. Man, my faith is stirred. Faith is the first dimension, but the second dimension that we're focusing in on tonight is the anointing. And the anointing is when God gives us, you and I as believers, he gives us what we need to accomplish the work or the assignment that he has called us to. The physical act of anointing is to apply oil. This is the physical act, to apply oil on someone for the purpose of consecrating the work that God has for his or her life. It is a confirmation of their calling, a confirmation of the function God has given them. And it's sealed by the Holy Spirit and which the oil is the visible symbol. This is a visible symbol, but how many know when we lay hands on someone or we anoint a cloth and put it under our lost teenager's mattress, that when we anoint physically the cloth, how many know that's just a symbol? The real power is the faith and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that rests upon that prayer. This is just obedience. This is just obedience. The person who anoints, if I anoint you with oil and lay hands on you, I am just God's agent. That's all that I am. How many know I'm just his agent? But the anointing comes by the Holy Spirit and our faith, right? That's where the anointing comes from. And so... I said at the beginning, as they were passing at the oil, I don't want you to leave here with a bottle of oil and you set it on the nightstand and you don't use it. If something's going off in your house, something's wrong in your house, if sickness comes against your house, if your kids start acting crazy, I want some people that know they have been anointed by the Holy Spirit. They are God's agents. And by, we can anoint every, anything that's going on and the prayer of faith will begin producing. Come on, somebody, give him praise if you're ready to act on it. Now, let me say uh, again, sometimes I take this stuff for granted because not everybody's upbringing was like mine. My upbringing, I grew up falling asleep up under the pews in Pentecostal churches where they spoke in tongues, walked the back of the chairs, casted out devils. I remember they were casting out devils one night and said, if you're afraid, you need to get out of here. If you're not saved, you need to get out of here. The demon may come out of them and jump on you. I ran out of there. I wasn't ready for that. I am on my way out of here. And, and so I grew up in, in environments where it was normal to speak in tongues, normal, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I remember when I was eight years old, I had to wear glasses, and I remember them because they had Mickey Mouse on them and and because I had a lazy eye. And my parents, um, they were not content with um, me just wearing glasses because I got a lazy eye. They brought me up to the front. They anointed me with oil, and I left church that night completely healed. I still don't wear glasses. That was eight years old. Like, I know the power of the Holy Spirit. I know what God can do. But we got a lot of people in the church that think it's weird. Come on, it's weird not to believe it. It's weird not to believe that God wants to move like that. And I can remember one time sitting in church as a, a teenager. And uh, the evangel- we were in revival. And the, the evangelist um, called me out. There's a room like this, not quite this big, but... I was sitting in the back left of the sanctuary, and he said, young man, I need to pray for you. It was in the middle of his sermon. I thought, oh, my gosh. What? Why? Why? I wanted, You know that feeling where you just want to sink? You just want to sink? I wanted to sink down in the seat. Um, and... I came up and he poured, he, he pulled out a bottle of oil and he began to prophesy over me. And I wasn't even in relationship with God. Like I wasn't, me and God were not tied in this season. And he, he began to prophesy and he said, God's hands on your life. And he poured a much bigger bottle, by the way, much bigger bottle. He, he poured an entire bottle over my head, an entire bottle over my head. And, and, and that night, I, I can go back to that night as a teenager And it wasn't at that moment I accepted the call to ministry, but it was at that moment that I knew God had separated me for something else. And from that time forward, I knew God's hand was on me. I knew that that his presence was on my life. And listen, from that day forward, and some of y'all need to listen to me, parents need to listen to me, I couldn't even enjoy sin. And it was because at that moment, God had marked me. And he had set me apart. In Psalm eighty-nine, twenty, it says, I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. Hit your neighbor and tell him you're anointed. In the Old Testament, the anointing was a shadow of what was to come in the new covenant. In Exodus chapter 30, this is where we get the ingredients for the anointing oil. Verses 23 through 25, it says, Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounding according to the art of the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. So God gave these ingredients for the anointing oil, each representing a prophetic symbol of something that was to come in the new covenant. Are you all following me? We see it in the natural in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, this became something that, was spiritual in nature. And so if you look at the ingredients, the first one was myrrh. And myrrh was a bitter herb with a sweet aroma. And it represents, y'all not gonna like this part, myrrh represents pain, suffering, anguish, distress, trials, tribulations, and persecutions. A lot of people say, Pastor, I wanna be anointed. You're saying that you're ready To endure pain, sorrow, trials, tribulations. How many know it's a whole lot different when you understand that part of being anointed is not just that the Holy Spirit is on your life, but God will take you through seasons of pain to push out and to press out more oil in your life. So the first ingredient was myrrh, which which means that there is a price to the anointing. The second one was cinnamon. Cinnamon represents firmness and stability. These elements are applied to Christian character and are fundamental to you and I operating in the anointing. And, and the reason for that is because you can never be rise above, you can never rise above your character. You may be highly anointed, like you're anointed here, but if your character is here eventually your anointing will be reduced to where your character is. And that's why that our character, it's so important that our character match our anointing. The third ingredient was cane. And cane, or, or the calamus in the King James Version, uh, it's a long straight reed with a green and red coloring, and it smells a little bit like ginger. And it's associated, if you do a study on this, it's associated with the gifts of the Spirit and also divine authority. And this is indicative that the anointing flows through us as we submit to authority. So I want you to, we're going we're gonna to pile these up together and it's all going to make sense. The fourth is cassia. And cassia is a sweet-smelling bush of yellow flowers. The leaves of this plant are dried and pulverized to prepare the anointing oil. The word cassia derives from the root, this root word that means to bow down, out of honor and reverence. And most, most scholars believe that the Cassia represents prayer, praise, and worship. How many know you can't be anointed if you're not going to pray? And you refuse to step into a place of praise and worship. It, 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 it works together. This, this part of the anointing will generate a desire to pray and to worship. And then you have the hint of oil. And the oil for the anointing is extracted from the olive tree, and we know the oil represents the Holy Spirit. If you were to combine these ingredients of what make up the anointing practically in the Old Testament, but what makes up the anointing spiritually in the New Covenant is that if you want to be anointed, you, you would. this is the things you got to be willing to do. you got to endure suffering, persecution, trials, and rejection. you got to be a person that exemplifies firmness and stability in your faith, you got to be submitted to authority, and you got to have a lifestyle of prayer, praise, and worship, and you need to be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. I think we ought to give God a hand clap of praise right there, because that's the kind of lifestyle that will produce the anointing. Now, with the anointing, I said this earlier, um, it is tangible. it's, It's tangible, like... When the anointing comes into a room, you feel it. Like it's tangible. It's why the Bible says when we pray for the sick, we are to lay hands on them. Because it's tangible, but it's also transferable. And so it's transferable for, from one person. To another, uh, a great story. Um, Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you've read some of his books, but one of the stories that stands out to me is that he was staying in a house of this couple uh, while he was preaching a meeting, and um, the wife was saved, but the husband was not. And and so they gave Smith uh, Wigglesworth their bedroom. And upon leaving the meeting and leaving their house after a few days, uh, the lady was still really distraught because her husband had not given her life to Christ. And as Smith was leaving, he said, don't worry, just don't change the sheets. Some of you are like, ugh. But the anointing is tangible. And so they didn't change the sheets, and the guy got in the bed that night the husband, and he squirmed for all night long to the point that the conviction was so strong on him from just being under the sheets of an anointed man of God that he knelt down right there beside the bed and gave his life to Jesus. That's what the anointing will do. In Exodus 30, verse 26, it says, With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony. In the tabernacle, you have to understand Old Testament, no one could touch an instrument. No one could touch it. No one could touch an, a utensil unless it had first been anointed. The same is true for us today. Um, I am tired of gifts without anointing. I'm tired of talent without anointing. We have to, we have to be careful because in the church now, we confuse talent for anointing. And, and, and talent's great. You need talent. You need gifts to do what God has called you to do. But there's something about the anointing that when somebody preaches under the anointing, yokes get broken. Right? People get set free. When people stand up on a platform and they're just gifted to sing, nothing happens. But when they're anointed to sing, how many know chains are broken? Sick bodies are healed. Gifting and talent is great, but we, we can't substitute that for the anointing. Now, check this out. There is, first off, I'm not going to preach too long because I know I've got to pray for a lot of people tonight. I, I know. Some of you are like, when's he praying for me? I will. I'm going to pray for you tonight. But there is a personal anointing. All right, everybody say personal anointing. Okay, you have an anointing. Now, I, this is going to be uncomfortable for some of you but I need you to just put your hand on your chest like this and say, I'm anointed, all right? Say it again, say, I'm anointed. Every person who comes into a relationship with Jesus, how many know the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life and you are anointed? There's an anointing on your life. God has put his super on your natural so that you can become a supernatural follower of Jesus. You are Anointed in Ephesians 4 7, it says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So you have a personal anointing. Now, please don't think anointing is only for preaching or singing or ministering to students or kids. And we, we want to equate the anointing. For nothing but like church stuff, like we think that's that's the anointing. Some of us are anointed for business, anointed to 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 have a business. You're anointed um, to worship. You're anointing uh, anointed for ha- some of your moms and moms and dads. You need to know you're anointed to change the atmosphere of your house. Like you're anointed for that. You don't need me to come to your house to get the anointing. Now, God has anointed you, sir, as the head of your house. You're anointed, but you've got you to act like you're anointed, and you've got to speak like you're anointed. So there's a personal anointing, but there's also a corporate anointing. Now, this is where a lot of people get lost. Because they think, I'm personally anointed, I don't need the local church. I don't, I don't need the corporate body And if you read the New Testament, you're going to have to rip a lot of pages out of your Bible to get away with, I can do church by myself at home. Because that's not in there. That's not in there. All right, I'm going to help you. It's not in there. Jesus left us gifts, Ephesians 4. The gifts are apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists, right? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry— for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A corporate anointing is an anointing of the Holy Spirit that is poured out upon everyone present as, as we become unified. Now, the anointing that is, that, that is corporate, please hear me, is a thousand times stronger than your personal anointing, it's a thousand times. In other, let me say it like this: There are things available in this atmosphere that's hard to get all by yourself. Does that make sense? The corporate anointing is more powerful than the personal anointing, and so let's look at what the anointing is for. In Luke four eighteen, Jesus said, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor." He has sent me to proclaim that that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Now, I want you to notice about the anointing, that the purpose, every purpose listed, none of them is selfish. None of them are for my personal benefit. But rather, the anointing on my life is, is meant by God for me to Bless others. The anointing on me is not for me. The anointing on you is not for you. He said, you're anointed. He said, I'm anointed. And the same is true for us. To heal the sick, cast out devils, preach the gospel, perform miracles, and exalt Jesus. I mean, there's a sick world out there that needs us to operate in our anointing and us go forth healing the sick, casting out devils, performing miracles, preaching the gospel, and exalting Jesus. That's what we're anointed to do. By the anointing, God wants to use your life and my life to break the yoke of slavery, the yoke of addiction, the yoke of drugs, the yoke of perversion and vices that people have gotten themselves into. He wants us to be anointed to set the captive free. Now, that's a lot of good stuff about the anointing. But do you know what one of the biggest hindrances to the anointing is? is when we get familiar with those who are anointed. When we get familiar, it causes us to take the anointing lightly. It can cause us to disrespect the anointing or the mantle. That's why you won't hear me, you, you won't hear me in conversations walking around talking about leaders in a negative way especially men and women of God, you won't hear it. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because the Bible says, touch not my anointed. And it says, to do my prophets, no harm. All right? But if I get familiar with the anointing on a person's life, I can begin to take it lightly. I can begin disrespecting it. And at the moment I take it lightly or disrespect the anointing on their life, I can no longer receive from them. I cannot receive from the anointing that is on their life. And so this happens with a lot of people. When we get familiar with the, with the anointing on a person's life, we can't receive anything from them. Now the question we got to ask is how do faith and, and the anointing, how does it work together? First off, the anointing is never received by skeptics. Only by people who exercise their faith are, they gonna, are we going to touch the anointing. When a person, one of the things that has to happen in the body of Christ, uh, some people will say, I just wish Pastor Chad was more anointed. Did you know you could help me be more anointed? You say, well, how's that? By placing a demand on it, that when you come in hungry, you know, even if I want to finish preaching and be done, if there's a demand placed on the anointing, I'll preach past when I want to stop and keep preaching because there's a hunger and a thirst that is extracting the anointing on my life. But if I come in and all y'all look bored and tired and I, what time is it? I'm hungry. You're going, what's the point of being anointed? It kind of defeats the purpose. You can place a demand on the anointing. And so, uh, I'm going to give you some of these real quick. I'm going to ask uh, if Erica would, if she would just come back and play behind me. That would be awesome. Um, I'm going to give these to you real quick. How many are getting anything out of the Word of God tonight? If you want a, a greater anointing, what, how, how do I do that, PC? How does that happen? You've got to, number one, recognize the anointing. That's simple, I know, but you've got to recognize it. And it's not just recognizing that the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you or that you have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, but it's also recognizing the anointing that God has brought into your life through another individual. It's very important that you recognize the, because the moment you can't recognize the anointing on someone that God has called to minister to you, you can't extract it from them. You can't, you can't receive anything from them. So not only do I got to recognize it, I, I got to be willing to receive it. We have to welcome the anointing in, in our lives. Um, and, and with that, you have to understand anointed people, this is going to be good. Anointed people are not perfect people. See, this is where religious people miss out on what God wants to do because you got an anointed man of God, you got an anointed woman of God, you got an anointed pastor in your life, and God's anointed them, but you saw them operate outside of what you deemed as perfection, you saw them in a weakness. And what the Holy Spirit has taught me over the years because I've served other pastors. I've been in the seed of receiving. Like, and, and, and the whole reason I moved here back in 2005, Pastor Karen could tell you, it wasn't just because I thought Lewisburg would be a great place to live or White Sulphur would be a great place to live. There was an anointed man of God here. And I remember in prayer one day that the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you need what he has. And we moved here because it leads in to the next part. Not only do I need to recognize it and receive it, I have to honor the anointing. I have to honor it. So much so that in the Old Testament, they would not approach the uh, the anointed person with empty hands. Now, I'm not saying y'all all bring me a gift next week. That was the Old Covenant, all right? It's not what I'm teaching. I don't want you to go there. I'm just saying they, there was... There was a reverence for it because you can't receive from someone you do not respect, and if you don't respect the office that they hold or the anointing that's on their life, you can never receive what God has for you through their life. And that brings me to the fourth thing: you got to be willing to serve the anointing. You got to be willing to serve it, the anointing you receive by a... So, what, what you you got to understand that in this, the anointing I have that's on my life. God wants that same anointing to be on your life. And the anointing you receive by association can be, it can be lost or forfeited if I dishonor the person that it's coming from. And I don't want you to just approach this with me. If we bring in a guest speaker and you don't like the way they talk and you shut down... Because I just, I don't like them. How many of you may miss out on your miracle? God could have assigned your miracle to come through that voice, but because you dishonored it. The anointing, listen, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he doesn't hang around people that don't respect him. So how, how, do, how do I walk in this? A couple things I'll give you, and then I'm going to quit. I'm going I'm to share the vision. Let me give these to you real quick. we got a hunger for this we got to be prepared to pay the price. I think we have these on the screen behind me. I'm just going to go through them quick instead of preaching all of them. We have to, the, the anointing must be planted and not thrown away. In other words, we have to be discipled. Just because you're anointed don't mean you need to move away and start you a church. You need some discipleship, friend. You need some mentors in your life. The anointing, fourthly, has to be Cultivated. And the anointing will grow in your life if you have the right relationships. Now, if you're emotionally tied to people who are obstacles to you in your life for you to receive what God's trying to bring, sometimes you got, how many are you, distance is okay. I can love some people from a distance. I don't have to love everybody up close and hang out. There's some people I can love from a distance, Okay. And we have to be able to discern that. So I started the night with a dream. I explained the dream to you. But on Thursday evening, last week, um, I'll be honest with you. And, I, and, and Pastor Karen can tell you, um, I honestly didn't want to come back that night. I was, I was It was a long week. It was worn out. And now it was time to go lead a prayer small group at 7 o'clock. And I didn't have anything left. You know, I felt empty. Felt like I had Nothing to really offer last Thursday. Um, and uh, I don't really have to offer a whole lot. I just come in and we, we begin praying, but I, I was so tired I didn't even feel like doing that. How many, no, sometimes you got to go past your flesh a little bit if you're going to tap into the Spirit of God. And it was really neat what happened. Um, I came in and I began praying. We prayed over all the prayer cards. You know, we talk about that every Sunday. We really do do that. I know a lot of people think, why do they say that every week? Because it's very important that we pray over every single request that comes in. We have to do that. And I prayed over the cards, and I spent just a few minutes just one by one praying over every card, every family that sent in a prayer request. And uh, then I just kind of transitioned, and uh, I began praying in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. For those of you that don't know, now you know. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And it's in your Bible. It's right there. Um, I began praying in the Spirit, and as I prayed in the Spirit, I didn't realize how much time had gone by Um, because it got real close to 8 o'clock. I had been praying in the Spirit between 30 minutes and 45 minutes, something like that, consistent. And I also noticed that sometimes when God is doing a new thing in you, your prayer language changes. And I recognize I'm praying in an unknown tongue that I've never prayed in before. And how many? that's a cool thing, right? Uh, I believe God's going to do that for some people tonight. He's going to update your prayer language. He's going to let you know there's a fresh anointing on your life. And and as I was praying, I finally finished praying, and I sat down. And as I sat down, um, this has happened one other time. It happened to me when I was uh, in Somersville, West Virginia, probably. Man, that's been a long time. I'm going to give my age, but it's been a long Let's just say it's been a long time. Um, but. In this vision, it was almost like God put a TV screen in my mind, and I could see this really, really clear. And I was like, "God, is this me, or is this you?" But it it just kept unfolding, and I'm like, "Okay, God is showing me something." And in this um, vision that I had, this this kind of stuff makes me nervous because I don't have a lot of these. All right, I saw a river that was flowing. Okay, a river that was flowing. But in, in this vision, I also saw a dam that had stopped the river. That the river was stopped up. It was stuck. There was, there was no movement to it. And it was like the same time I was seeing the vision, the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Chad, you thought that these last two years with everything that's happened, that the flow has been stopped. It was like the Holy Spirit was saying this to me as I'm seeing it. Because there's been a lot of, a lot of times I'm like, God, where are you? Where is the flow? Where is the river that we had been in? Where, where is that? But the vision didn't stop with the dam. It, 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 God began to show me. He said, you thought it was stopped, but this whole time that you thought it was stopped, my move and what I've been doing in you and in Bethesda Church, what I've been doing has actually been growing. And so in the vision, the water, the river started rising all the way to the point that eventually it started seeping over the top of the dam, and eventually the dam that had stopped the flow of God began to crumble, and this river became like a flood, and everything it touched became a product of the flow of God. And so... As I was seeing this, I began to type some things down. And and what God said, he said, there has been a shift. He said, the tide isn't turning. The tide has already turned. The storm is over. The heavens are open. And he said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. The water, it had been stopped. There had been no flow. Everything had been stifled and it looked like nothing was moving, but God said, in this season, my spirit, what I've been doing has been getting deeper, it has been growing, it has been getting bigger, and what I'm about to pour out, nothing's gonna be able to stop the flow of my spirit, and everything my spirit touches will become a product of the anointing, a product of the river of God, a product of the flow of God, Do I have any agreement in the house tonight? Come on, give God a praise right now. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, bethesdachurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.